Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. What's up? Happy summer. Thank you. Happy Pride. Thanks. Although Pride here doesn't actually happen until the other side of the summer. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, happy Pride now and happy Pride on the other side of the summer. (laughs) Happy Pride every day. Happy Pride (laughs) all the time. Yeah. Well, it is Pride season. It's, of course, the time of year when people come to the streets to celebrate and to sometimes mourn, sometimes demonstrate, sometimes just party, commemorating, of course, the Stonewall riots, which kicked it all off. That's right. And mm-hmm. the question of pride being political, that's not exactly what we're going to talk about on this show. But the background, I think, is important to set it up because pride as a celebration of resistance, of resilience, and of fun is in the news right now, and especially pride as it relates to cops. To just kind of skip ahead to how this all ends, it was a protest against the police. Which it would be fair if you didn't know that that you'd be looking at a lot of the discussion that's happening right now about police being involved in pride may be confusing because if you don't understand the connection between queer communities, trans communities and people and police, then maybe it doesn't make much sense about why there's so much opposition to police marching in pride parades. But this past couple of days, we also got a really good example for why the police have not earned the trust and earned the right to be able to march in pride parades. So read this really ridiculous headline this weekend about something that happened at Hamilton Pride. Mm -hmm. So the police were called to a some sort of like disturbance that happened at Hamilton Pride. I don't know. Did you read the story? Yeah, yeah. So it was actually a ragtag bunch of freaky religious people. Freaky religious people. Yeah. They had made their intentions known that they were going to be protesting Pride, whether their intentions, I'm not sure it was public or if, if activists got wind of it, but they they were at Pride in Hamilton to I'm not sure what, tell people that they were going to die in in hellfire or something like this. And there were activists that, because they knew that this was, was going to happen, they actually showed up with a, a massive barrier to kind of block them from Hamilton Pride's activities. Mm. Which is sweet. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, things get a little bit hot. And the police break everything up, and they arrest everybody who's saying that they're going to hell, right? Mm -hmm. No, that's not what happened. Yeah, I didn't think so. (laughs) (laughs) So the the barrier was pretty successful. Like, you know, people were able to march past uh, without necessarily having to be subjected to these folks. And, um, and, you know, like, street preachers are pretty common, and being told that you're going to die is, like, kind of a common thing if you pass certain intersections, maybe in parts of of this country where there's people that stand on the street and tell you that all the time but um there was a skirmish that then ended up happening or breaking out on the other side of this barrier between uh folks who were anti-fascist protesters 
and uh, the the freaky religious folks. And I mean, when I first heard this story, I I kind of assumed that the freaky religious folks were, I mean, like the praise the Lord guy at Young and Dundas Square in Toronto, who's like an old guy who like only knows how to say the words praise the Lord and just kind of like spits it at you as you walk by him. I think it's actually believe in the Lord, Nora. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, but these folks are are fucking young, yeah. really young. Yeah. And um, as we would eventually see, they are violent. Yeah. This this the confrontations that were happening at this disgusting thing that they were doing at Hamilton Pride were including like like trying to choke people. It, it's pretty disgusting to look at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not just that they were sucker punching people as well. Like several people got, got sucker punched, um, men and mm-hmm. women and trans people. And it was all caught on, on, on various cameras, actually both sides filmed it. Um, and kind of the big story that came out of this confrontation is how little police did to intervene, to, to, to separate groups, to lay charges for like against these, the, people getting sucker punched and like if you look at some of the images the 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 religious side of the folks present like they were dressed to brawl they were wearing helmets and they were wearing vests like flak jackets and they were dressed to brawl and they brawled and since then there has been one person who has been arrested um a trans woman who um from what I've seen from activists in Hamilton say uh, she wasn't even there. And so it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. That's going to likely unfold very quickly over the course of this week. We're, of course, recording this on Sunday night. But this episode is going to talk about police. Who are you going to call when they're not your friend? <laughs> <laughs> so part of the the ridiculousness about this event was like the comments that some of the police made afterwards about why they weren't around totally and it's it's like um brazen and shocking uh they said the police chief i believe said um they weren't invited to pride and so as a result didn't feel as though they i don't know could do their job like (laughs) um they say it said like you know they weren't invited to have a booth or to have a table or to march and so um was like fine if you don't want me here then we ain't gonna be here when you guys are gonna be are being literally attacked by some of the most disgusting um people who could show up to an event like this yeah yeah which is just i I don't know. It's just, it's, he said that out loud. Like he said it out loud (laughs) to a journalist and it was printed. I'm just, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty fucking stunning. Yeah, it it really is stunning. And I, I, it's, I mean, I'm stunned by it, even if I were to expect that kind of attitude, because a lot of times during the, the arguments over whether or not pride Toronto should allow police to walk within the parade, I saw a lot of folks, especially white folks, especially white men saying that things are really dangerous for queer people right now. And 
they feel safe to have the police around, which then required a bit of a, you know, conversation explaining why the fuck that's kind of ridiculous logic. But it, it it's what I find so fascinating about this is like how backwards this whole discussion has become thanks to the hard work of the police, like police spokespersons and then politicians and other spokespeople who support the police, which is like, it's one thing to say you want to be in a parade. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's all they want is to be in a parade. Why won't you be? We just want to carry balloons. And on the other side is like them doing their actual fucking jobs. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, like, could you imagine any other worker like the TTC being like, oh, Pride Toronto doesn't want TTC workers to march in, in, in Pride for some reason because the streetcars have been denying queer people access to streetcars for so long. And they're like, well, fine. We won't even get you people to pride. We're just going to not let you on our trains. <laughs> it's like, like, <laughs> be ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Oh, my God. Like, if you're in the parade, you're like not working at that time or you, you shouldn't mm -mm. be if you're being paid to be in the parade. That's a whole other situation, which is something that uh, people have um, raised as a, a, a curious question before. Mm -hmm. But if you're if you're being paid, you shouldn't be being paid to be in the parade. Like, it's it's. Uh, you know, it's it's a part of, you know, all the all the different floats that are there, likely unless they're like corporate floats, people aren't being pay, paid to be there. But the people who like the police officers who are like doing the general parade shit that happens whenever there is some sort of parade or demonstration or whatever um, in the city, uh, in various cities or whatever, uh, they're they're not the same as being in the parade. They are working much like as with your analogy, there are TTC people who might be in the parade to celebrate pride or to demonstrate within pride. And then there are people who work for the TTC who are literally making the subways still go. <laughs> like, I just, I, especially with, you know, the, the police officers, um, over the last few years is this this um, conversation, this public conversation has been going on, not just in Toronto, but all over Canada and all over the United States and kind of the world, really. Um, police have often said, you know, we're we're here building relationships with the community. We are part of this community. We we are doing everything that we can to build, rebuild trust and then this, it's just like, uh, I, it's the most, um, it's just so ridiculous that this was said out loud. Like I, 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 it does not shock me in any way, shape or form that this is something that has been thought. Like it doesn't, I can totally imagine all sorts of uh, people with who have power um, within the police force and around the police saying, well, hey, if they don't want us there, then we're not going to uh, do a lot of work on Church Street or in villages or wherever else. I can imagine that happening. But to mm -hmm. say it out loud <laughs> to a journalist as justification for why you didn't stop hateful incidents from occurring or intervene in hateful incidents uh, that were occurring and then to not do anything to the, to the people who were um, committing those disgusting atrocities. I, it, well, it's really revealing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and this this issue goes far beyond the question of police at Pride. Mm-hmm. So this happened in Hamilton a week ago. On Saturday, yesterday for us, but on Saturday, there was another confrontation. And some of the same motherfucking pieces of rat fucking trash from Hamilton showed up in Toronto to join uh, what was supposed to be a Pegida march. Now, Pegida is an acronym that is like a bunch of German fucking words. It's not even an English. <laughs> like it's like it doesn't stand for anything in English. Um, but they are an anti-immigration, anti-Muslim bunch of bro fucking losers. Pegida is patriotic Europeans against the Islamization of the Occident. <laughs> o- that's Pegido. I know, I know. I'm just reading like that's their <laughs> that's that's the uh the translation of the German uh of the German. It's it's not even Pegido because it's there's no G there in what I said. It's Pope. Right, right. Which is, I mean, the German, that reminds us how much closer English is to German than it is to French, because if it was French, it would be like, adigip. (laughs) 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 So they they organized a little uh, thing in Toronto yesterday, and and there were there were clashes. Um, So their group was quite small, a lot of a lot of faces from the far right that are well known among anti-fascist organizers and activists were present. Um, I, I don't want to name any of these people because they can fuck themselves, but they have all been named. Like if you go online to like anti-racist Canada or you check out some of the reporting from Mac Lamaru at Vice, you can see all the stuff or Yellow Vest Exposed is they're all doing wicked, wicked, wicked work. Most of it's on Twitter. So the police were present. They separated the two sides. They they forced um, Antifa onto like the opposite side from the um, from the Pegida protesters, and not much happened. I mean, Buddy, uh, ultra freaky religious Buddy, who was punching people in the face with his fucking helmet, showed up with two helmets. Uh, one helmet that the cops actually confiscated from, but he was like. Ah, oh, geniuses, I have fucking two helmets and you only confiscated one. And uh, ha ha ha, this is all on camera, by the way, so you can also see these videos. But the the protest kind of fizzles out until um, skirmishes actually end up happening at the Eaton Center, in the Eaton Center. And so if you go to these people's videos, because they filmed it, anti-fascist pro- uh, protesters filmed it, like these pieces of shit are literally sucker punching people at the in center and trying to fucking fuck people up what like just random people no like anybody that they figure is is antifa and they're working yeah and they're working hard to identify every single one of them to make sure that they're all fucking known from their little group of fucking winners and the violence is really unbelievable i mean I, I watched a couple of the videos, but like I don't, I'm not really down with watching videos of people being hurt in any way. It's just like kind of a general rule of mine. But they, yeah, they brawled. They fully fucking brawled. And some people online are 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 looking at this from the perspective of, did they actually stage this protest to go pro- counter protest to show up to then fuck them up once the police were gone and everything was supposed to be done? Because at some level, like, you know exactly how this is going to go. And you know that the, that the sh- racist, shitheaded pieces of fucking garbage will be protected by the police. You know that Antifa will not be protected by the police. It's a lot of the same folks who are at that other kind of face-to-face skirmish that happened uh, a year ago, maybe now. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, from what I've seen, there have been no charges laid. Folks are all identified. Everybody's name of, of who's using this helmet is, is to punch people in the face. So the other people that are trying to fight, they're all identified folks. And the, so two skirmishes with the same fucking goons operating on one side. And there's still only one arrest of someone who had potentially nothing to do with what was going on. I mean, it is fucked up. Yeah, it is stunning to me that these um, far-right groups can continue to do this sort of really violent demonstrating or just, I don't know, like, what do we call it? I don't want to call it a demonstration because it's not really what it is. Can continue to do these uh, really violent... Actions. Actions, I suppose. I'm going I'm to think about that, a better word to come up with for that. But they continue <laughs> to do these things and nothing seems to happen to them at all. I just like, could you imagine any rally that we've been to or even if it's just, you know, one of these rallies that we're describing right now, having two helmets in your hand, whacking someone with one of those helmets and not being immediately detained? <laughs> impossible it is absolutely impossible i it's it's stunning to me that that sort of thing um can happen so consistently and it not be interrogated uh widely because this Mm -hmm. is that that sort of uh impunity is not being interrogated widely and it should be oh yeah yeah i mean no no one's actually there are so few writers in this country who are writing about the full protection that these piece of shit groups get while the protesters or the counter protesters or, or anybody, I mean, fuck, like if, if you've ever demonstrated against American foreign policy, you know that there's tons of cops everywhere. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. if you go to a single anti-poverty action or something, there's cops everywhere. I mean, the left is so policed. And the right is, and I, I, the right, it's like these guys aren't even like, this is the far, far fucking right. But they, they, they we exist within the same ecosystem as them. And the reason why it's important to see the, the, the far, far, far fringe right, and, and these people are obviously messed up. They obviously need major interventions in their lives to help identify what the fuck is making them violent fuckheads. But they help to normalize violence that people see against groups like Antifa or they help to normalize violence at pride. And for sure, for people who are active in pride and who are on the streets and celebrating and whatever, they can see it quite clearly like an attack on them and on their community, or I hope they can. But for people who have never been to pride and who don't really know what it's about and who only read newspaper to understand what the fuck pride is, I mean, this kind of violence against protesters is normalized, becomes more normalized, and it becomes more acceptable. And seeing the police protect one side over the other sends a signal to that mushy middle of Canadians that, oh, the folks wearing black, like they're obviously the ones who are violent. Mm -hmm. Not Buddy carrying two helmets literally with the purpose of using one of those helmets to smoke people in the fucking head. Oh, my gosh. It's also like really revealing about what the police, how the police view uh, communities and organizations like Pride. To them, it's Pride 
uh, queerness in general um, and everything that pride stands for, whether it be a celebration or a demonstration, although I, I know that they hope that that's not what they're being affiliated with. To them, it's an opportunity. It's not it's not an actual profound event that has a history um, that has deep meaning for people, that has deep meaning for communities, um, that is necessary uh, in the way that it's um, that it comes to be for people's very existence, um, that is fraught with all sorts of different complexities. Those things are not at all a part of what the police are thinking of when they're engaging with with pride. Pride is an opportunity for them. And to be able to look at these events that are happening at the same time that pride is happening, these uh, Pegida or super far right religious weirdos, motherfuckers doing their shit and to refuse to take care of the people who need taken care of at the time. I think it's pretty clear that the police don't actually, as a body, view uh, pride as all the multitude of things that it is. It's an opportunity for them. And if they don't have that opportunity, well, then fuck pride. It doesn't have anything to do. Like, they don't care. (laughs) What the hell? Mm -hmm. Have you seen this story also that's um, come out in the United States of these police officers who've been found to be... Um, making racist comments on Facebook and so had to be pulled off the streets. No, tell me more. Mm -hmm. There's like, I I believe in Philadelphia and in St. Louis, um, there there was like some sort of probe and police officers were found to be engaging in a number of racist comments on social media and encouraging fellow police officers um, to engage in excessive use of force (laughs) through their social media, um, supporting excessive use of force force through their social media and trying to get other people uh, to support that sort of um, engagement by the police as well. And so this was discovered uh, through a probe and they had to remove dozens of officers from the streets and um, will probably be... I assume firing them. I mean, one can hope. You know how police tend to be impervious to any sort of <laughs> any sort of discipline. But um, you know, this kind of conversation that's happening right now in Canada just reminds me of this this other thing that's also happening in the United States. Well, which also sounds exactly like what was happening in Ottawa, like right after the the murder of Abdi Rahman Abdi, mm-hmm. where all of the Ottawa police went into this big like PR thing where they're protecting one another and all this kind of shit because. The situation looked really bad. It looked like police brutality took Abdi's life, and it was also revealed that that there were cops saying stuff online. I mean, the the idea that that police in this country and the United States don't hold these values is pretty laughable because you can see it in the proof that they do. I mean, you know, and and I don't like where are the good cops to actually be the ones to stand up and say, yeah, yeah, we have a serious problem. Mm-hmm. Like, where where are those fucking guys? Because we were we're so we are in such a fragile moment where 
so we've got street violence now in Hamilton and in Toronto, and it's the same group of fucking people. And they have demonstrated that they can organize for a fight and in their minds win that fight. I mean, you can go and check out their videos from after these brawls and they fucking definitely would say they won. We have someone like Alec Manassian who fucking killed 11 people and we still, like he still hasn't gone to trial and the city of Toronto has learned what exactly from that situation? Like fucking literally nothing. There has been no changes to public infrastructure. There's been no public conversation about about these these men who fall through the cracks and find incel movements. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then fuck, then this week uh, they come out with uh, information. The police come out with information about the shooter from the from the Danforth shooting, saying he well there was no proof he was radicalized. Literally, the the police saying there was no proof that this guy was radicalized. Oh, except he was uh, he severely hated women and targeted women that night. <laughs> Nora, that's not radical. That's just regular shit. Hating women. Come well, on. fuck, it is regular shit. That's mm-hmm. the fucking thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. It. <laughs> it is so fucking regular. And and at the time that that is regular, things are also getting fucking worse. And so you've 100%. got the, the far right doing this fucking street brawl bullshit. You have, you know, Pride Hamilton did not do enough to stand up for uh, folks who are attending the event to make sure that these fucking piece of shit rat fuckers weren't like like actually kept somewhere else like fuck the police has no problem forcing us to be wherever they want us to be for our protests but the second that your protest includes god is great like you can't i mean in english you you can't fucking ask them to move or insist that they move or ask for their permit or whatever the fuck other tools that they use to crush our fucking events and demonstrations with i mean Mm -hmm. it is it is so it's so bad and and if we're going to see street violence increase this is my this is where i'm at right now what my biggest fear is it's like we're going to see street altercations increase we're going to see these skirmishes continue and we're going to see average people so people who are not necessarily already involved in like anti-racist organizing be scared out of their fucking minds to confront these people in any of their events well it's part of the strategy Right. Like the street fights are part of the strategy for these guys to get themselves in the news and to to do the type of uh, recruiting that they want to do. That's not to say I'm not saying that, um, you know, like people who are on our side defending themselves or whatever shouldn't engage in that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, yes, I believe that you're right, that these street fights are going to going to continue and escalate and spread because I think that that's part of the plan, which begs the question. What do we do? Knowing that uh, what we know, uh, if you didn't know before, now you know for real, which is that, you know, the police are not (laughs) super interested in helping um, to protect many of our communities um, from these guys. What do we do? How do we plan for uh, people who are going to continue to come to our events, continue to try to disrupt our events, to harm us, um, and go after those of us who are the most at risk out in public. What do we do? Because <sighs> we know that calling the police might end up with a, well, y'all didn't like us anyway. <laughs> 
Um, at best, let's be clear, at best, <laughs> because at worst, they could come and just arrest y'all, us, on our side, which is what they do all the time. Yeah, or actually hurt and murder people. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we have to be very aware, I think, of the of the of that fragility of this moment. And we have to take stock of who among us on the broad left have institutional power to be able to stand up to this stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that have institutional power. So there's like, you know, if you're a lawyer, they're like pro bono work is probably something that we need to be doing. Uh, we need you folks to be doing a lot more of, uh, especially in the wake of, of cuts to legal aid. And I know it's like pro bono, like the people already doing pro bono do so much good work and all this kind of thing. But as we lose publicly funded legal supports for people, we're going to absolutely need people to be volunteering their time to provide legal supports. And we need widespread legal training as well. Mm-hmm. We need we need people to share their knowledge about how to organize events safely and how to make sure that um, that events are marshaled and that events uh, don't rely on police intervention uh, if it were to come to that. We need um, people with power. So if you're a politician, like you should be present at these events. Like I, I, I can imagine that there's not a politician that really wants to be seen with Antifa. But guess fucking what? If you're not more on the side of Antifa, then you're a rat and you shouldn't be a fucking, you know, you cannot call yourself a progressive. And so we need people of high profile to actually be putting their bodies alongside other activists to 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 stare down these pieces of shit and say no we will not we will not stand for this in our community i mean we need fucking union leaders doing doing the same thing and unions have money to be able to protect people and to be able to challenge things in civil court if it comes to that we need journalists to fucking do their jobs and to do their jobs better. I mean, like there's so few good journalists out there writing about this stuff or so few r- journalists writing good about this stuff that um, that for for people, again, for people whose only interaction with this world is to read it through the through the newspaper. I mean, like you can get a completely distorted, fucking warped view of this all. And like the thing that I am just so perplexed by is. I saw there were some articles circulating, like someone looked at mass shootings or something in the United States for the last year. And I guess the conclusion was like every single mass shooting was carried out by someone. Like if there was a political orientation, it was it was like a far right political orientation, which I mean is not surprising at fucking all. But I suspect that. (laughs) No, it's like, whoa, groundbreaking news. (laughs) Yeah, but I suspect if you ask a bunch of fucking random people on the street, uh, they wouldn't be able to tell you that. And they wouldn't be able to tell you that because media ascribes far too much authority to police and they have and and to to right wing politicians and to right wing spokespeople. And I mean, there there is a direct line between what happened on Saturday in Toronto and high school students having chalk messages of Doug Ford outside of Queen's Park. Being having the bill to immediately clean that chalk off of the fucking asphalt uh, sent to them a bill of fourteen hundred dollars for their little chalk protest. There is a direct line. Mm-hmm. How do these kids? How do these kids have to be more 
uh, what's the word, culpable or whatever for their behavior. Not that I, I don't disagree with this behavior, obviously, but in the eyes of like whoever is making these decisions, then these 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 guys were literally choking people who are at an event just being who they are. (laughs) It's just, it's absolute, it's just ludicrous. It's so ludicrous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's, it's a tenant of the times that we are in, which is dissent will be dealt with swiftly and brutally. I mean, we should be able to go to Queens Park and write fucking whatever the fuck we want on the ground. Like, that should be our right. Queens Park is a place that, well, you, I don't live in Ontario anymore, but average people should be able to fucking chalk whatever the fuck they want. Chalk comes off the second it rains. Mm-hmm. And to to lay the heavy on these students in this way is just, again, another example of power-crushing dissent. So whether it's whether it's a bill going to students for chalking, whether it's police harassing or hurting or abusing uh, left-wing activists or whether it's police allowing these shitheads to go on their punching fucking trips i mean it's all this the, the, it's the same system that we're all up against and and we need to be very good at or we need to be better at making these links because in isolation they don't make any sense i mean it doesn't make any sense why a fucking rando would show up at the eden center and start fucking punching someone in the face Yeah. I want to circle back to something that you said just a little bit earlier, which is that people in power have to show up to these events. I I just want to double stress that (laughs) there is, you know, like there is a protection in people knowing who you are. So if you are a politician or someone who listens to this podcast and finds this mildly interesting or whatever, like just just really think about that. Maybe you don't think that it's that important to show up to these types of events, or maybe you're scared, or maybe the powers that be tell you you're not allowed to go, or I don't know. There's a, there's a number of reasons why, um, you know, there aren't more people who are on the left in more powerful roles at these types of things. But it is, it's it's so important if you are able to go, to go. Because your presence brings attention and it brings protection. The police aren't going to be acting a fool around y'all. The media are going to pay attention because you're there. It's like, it's so important. So if you're somebody who's known and you know that this type of thing is going on, please attend the events. Offer your power uh, to people who could desperately use it and don't have it. Yeah, and like you don't even have to take a sucker punch. Like you just fucking stand a little bit back. But if you can take a sucker punch, I mean, <laughs> yeah, then fucking give her. I mean, it would totally help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I also want to just uh, direct folks to um, to a website that's called Love Is Greater Collective. So, Love Is Greater Collective dot wordpress dot com. It actually goes through a lot of who these individuals are and what their connections are and where they're from. And there's a bunch of people that haven't been identified on the page. So, you know, go through it and see if you have anything to add um, to help really help map out who is is leading these kinds of movements. It, it won't surprise anyone that there's a lot of Americans um, who are named on this page as being involved in various ways. And 
you know, in the far right in, in Canada, like every far right mini group, because they keep splintering because they all are actually quite dysfunctional humans and they can't actually organize themselves properly, which is why they just come out and punch people. Um, they, they all have international connections, whether those connections are direct, like the Canadian three percenters or the soldiers of Odin or uh, Pegida. Or their indirect connections, like the Yellow Vest movement, which has nothing to do with the French Yellow Vest movement, but they've managed to kind of glom onto certain symbolism or whatever. And understanding how these groups are learning and growing is really important because it means that when you see news from the United States about the Three Presenters or Adam Waffen or any of these really far right militia type organizations that are trying to actually hurt people, it, it can help you understand what is at stake in Canada. And not that mm-hmm. things happen directly in the same way as they do in the United States. Certainly the amount of arms is a fucking benefit to us. There aren't as many guns in this country as there are in the United States. But we're not free from the violence. We know we're not free from the violence. And the far right is radicalizing itself on these forums that are dominated by people from around the world. And so seeing the connection between language of, of someone like Anders Breivik or the Christchurch shooter... Um, when that pops itself up in fucking like the discourse of Michael Cooper, that piece of shit, fucking freaky motherfucker from the conservative party who had to leave the justice committee because he was quoting the shooter's manifesto at a justice committee. meeting. So, so unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. That, that you actually are on the ball to catch these connections and you can put those connections out to other people so that they can see it. Because I feel like understanding this violence as being completely random is, is quite terrifying. And we cannot be intimidated or terrified by violence. I don't think that it means that you have to be the one to take a punch in the face, but it does mean that we all have to do what we can to make sure that this kind of, that that the far right hate speech that is so clearly on the rise in this country does not rise without opposition from people because you're too afraid to say something. Mm Mm-hmm. And let's, you know, I've just been thinking about how often, Nora, you and I have had this conversation. Like, you know, things are really bad. (laughs) People pay attention. And oftentimes over the years, a lot less so now, but oftentimes over the years, the response that we've heard, um, whether we do this together or in uh, whatever communities we're, we're working in, uh, the response for me certainly has been, it's not that bad or you're, you're, you're making uh, a really small and tiny situation seem much bigger than it is. I, I really hope that we're past that now. And if you, if you are talking to somebody or hear somebody who, who wants to, minimizes and there's all sorts of reasons for wanting to minimize what's happening it may not be malicious it may be because people don't want to believe that something more is happening it may be because the media sucks and doesn't actually tell us all the stuff that's happening but please don't minimize what's happening like it's it's getting worse and like recognizing the fact that it's happening, going to events because you know that it's something that could happen, Um, you know, trying to hold the media accountable. That's all very well and good and things that we need to be doing. And also 
when people in your circles and your families and your friends uh, say, you know, this is just a small isolated incident, make sure that they know that it's it's just not like we can't say that anymore. Like we barely ever could. <laughs> and I just I just want people to know. You know, like that's the idea that these things are isolated is what allows it to proliferate. Yes. So widely. Yeah. It's not. Mm-hmm.